Well, hello, my wondering friend. Welcome to today's episode. This is a super special, extra special with a cherry on top episode (laughs) because I have the one and only Jason Moore of Zero to Travel as my guest today. And Jason and I have known each other mm, since probably four years, almost five years, actually. Uh, Now that I think about it, it's coming up on five years. He's also the reason that I started my, my podcast, uh, and I'm just really excited to get him on here. I've wanted to do this for a while, but you know, given time zones and, and things like that and everything with my dad, it just wasn't working out. And I thought, while I'm traveling around here in Europe for a while, I really need to get him on the podcast. I need to, I, I really wanted to talk Norway with him. So it worked out. We might have had a little bit of technical stuff kind of going on. So hopefully everything uh, works out and everything sounds okay. We kind of, I think it was probably more my internet because my internet here in the Lake District has not been the best making do, but we kind of just do a little bit of an overview of Norway. So don't expect a lot of super destination specific things, although there are a few places that we are going to talk about, but it's more just kind of an overview of what Norway is like what the culture is like, the things that the Norwegians value and uh, things that are important to them, and kind of just the general vibe of the country. And Jason also offers up some some tips because I know a lot of us think about Norway and, you know, the Scandinavian countries can be a little pricey, but he really offers up some great tips for being able to travel a little bit more on a budget. So, I'm not going to babble on anymore. Let's dive into this episode with the one and only Jason Moore from Zero to Travel. Welcome to the Wonder Your Way Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Neiman. I'm here to help you travel to Europe, to explore off the tourist track destinations, dig a bit deeper into those well-known places, offer up some tips so you can travel with peace of mind, and of course, to share a few stories. It's my hope to inspire you to travel to Europe, your way. Hello, Jason Moore is with us. I I caught him off guard. (laughs) He was looking at some notes. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky me. Thanks for having me back on the show. I think, well... No, I think you, I was you, on. I was on one other time, wasn't no, I? No, I was on your show, and it's you I have to blame for starting this whole podcast. I know you thing. were on my show. Yes, but I, you. Have, By the you way, have we not. should link to that in case anybody wants to hear you riff on the on the West Highland Way. That oh is, yeah, uh, that's right. That's what we did a show about, and that was yeah. awesome. And we talked about other yeah. things too, in typical fashion. But um, still on my bucket list. Yeah. There's a lot of great places on the bucket list. Uh, so I want you to just introduce yourself to everyone because, like I like I said before, we uh, kind of went hot here. Everybody should be listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, but I'm sure not everybody is. So, Jason Moore, introduce yourself and tell us about your podcast and how you got into doing this really great podcast that you have. Well. Thanks for the kind words. First of all, I should say, once again, thank you for having me here, Lynn. And we've known each other for quite a while. And it's very nice. I appreciate that you're in my life. So thank you. And you do great things in travel to help people get out there. And that's really what my show is about, too. So we we share a similar mission, right? Trying to help people get out there and and travel the world. Um, With the Zero to Travel podcast, it's about traveling the world on your terms, no matter what your situation or experience um, which sounds kind of broad, but and that's sort of intentional because I think one of the core themes of the show, Lynn, as you know, when you really people that are listening to our shows, they they love travel, right? Probably going to love travel for most of your life, and then you want to prioritize it. You want to figure out ways you can add it into your life, and so it really becomes about much more than travel. It becomes about uh, it, it's more about your life, right? Like living your best life in, in many ways. Um, and I think for people listening, it's, you know, travel's a big part of that. So there are a lot of themes we cover on the show from the transition to travel, some of the stories behind how people have quit their nine to five jobs to do that thing. And then of course we have like destination 
type experts and Nat Geo's senior editor came on recently and did a did a whole breakdown on some of the best of the world list. And uh, my friend Gunnar Garfor, she's traveled to every country in the world twice. He's been on to, to share some up and coming destinations. So we don't like we don't shy away from the destination stuff, but it's also about the life stuff. How do you rearrange your life for travel and try to really make it you know broad and interesting conversations? So. Um, so that's, yeah, what it's about. And, uh, I should say quickly, if people want in the show notes, I know Lynn's going to throw it in, but we also have a newsletter, zero to travel.com slash newsletter, where you can search, search zero to travel, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm sure Lynn will link up to that. So, um, yeah, that's enough plugging and chugging for the day, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully after this podcast, you, you guys will want to go check it out. <laughs> and you know, how long have you had the podcast now, Jason? It's been a while. Uh, well, I just had my 11th year anniversary. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty amazing because most people don't make yeah. it even a year. So <laughs> the fact that you've been podcasting that long is just yeah, a testament I, to, you know, the the quality of your show and, and just your passion for it. It's a testament to the passion for sure. I, I, I like to think we're putting out some quality stuff. I hope so. And um, I guess, yeah, I just, it's still so fun to get to talk to people living unconventional lives and doing things in a different way and figuring out how to travel in so many different ways. It's, it's an endless topic really, you know? So agreed. it's been, it's been life changing for sure. And now Jason, you are in, well, not now you've been in Norway for how many years now? I officially moved here let's say that I'm using air quotes in 2015. That's when I applied for my longer term visa. My wife is Norwegian. Um, and we were married at the time we got married in 2014. Uh, now I'm a citizen of Norway. I'm an actual citizen. I kept working towards that and they finally allowed dual citizenship. So I, yeah, I, I, I got that on lock. So that was good. Um, but before that I had even been traveling back and forth here doing the digital nomad thing for a few years and spending, you know, chunks of, time here uh, whatever the schengen would allow you know right and uh when my wife and i were dating and sometimes we would you know meet up in like a third party location like once we went to cambodia so we could have you know some weeks there before we came here so we could get extra time together that sort of thing so so we worked it out you know international relationships have their challenges but but here we are i live here now i'm a citizen here and we have two kids and i'm based in Oslo, a little bit outside of the city, about 20 minutes by uh, Tebana, which is the subway system to, uh, to right to downtown. So, and we live right near the forest and it's a lovely place and, and it's, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think, you know, since we're, we want to talk about Norway and I think one of my questions is like, for me, it's always been a place that like, I really want to want to visit. What do you think draws in people to come visit Norway? What are some of the big draws to 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 uh, for a person to come and spend their hard-earned money? Because we know it's also not exactly the cheapest place to go. What What do you think draws people into Norway? Yeah. Well, first of all, let's start there because the I think the what you mentioned is not the cheapest place to go. That is true, but also it doesn't have to be crazy expensive either. And this is this is the thing I think people put off coming to Scandinavia because of the they get the sticker shock on the on the price tag, right? And I get that, you know, but actually if you're listening to this and you're coming from the US for example, there has never been a better time because the dollar is so strong and the Norwegian kroner is weak and there are a lot of ways to travel as you know, right? So you might have to rough it a little bit if you want to save some money. By roughing it, I mean maybe camping and those types of things, which we can get into later. Um, I have talked to plenty of people and I have friends who have traveled around different parts of Norway and have not spent a lot of money. And Hmm. that's totally doable. It's just a different style of travel, right? So... Yes, it, uh, but you know the real draw, I think, and and they've done a great job marketing this. But it's for a reason. I mean, I think people when they think about Norway, what do you think about? You can tell me. What's the first thing you think about? I probably think about like the fjords and just the the natural beauty. Yes, 
Yeah. Nature. Exactly. That's why people come to Norway to experience the nature. But then there's all these sneaky hidden benefits like nice people, great food, just uh, kind of a casual laid back vibe in a way. Like it's almost like one big beach town without the warm weather (laughs) 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 in some ways. Uh, So, you know, and there's a, there are definitely cultural differences and coming from the States, you won't, you won't see a lot of people talking to each other on the streets and things like that. That's just part of their version of being polite. It's not meant to be rude. And people say Scandinavians are cold and they don't talk to you. And that's true. They don't talk to you on the street, but it's, it's, they're not cold. They're just a bit shy. And that's their version of being polite. So you get a free pass. That's the good news when you're walking around and you decide to chat people up. They'll know you're not from here. And then you won't get the sort of weird glance like, why is this person talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you might. I mean, that can happen anywhere. But um, yeah, so it's uh, really the nature, I think. And um, just re reconnecting with nature, I'd say. And then w- through that, I mean, you connect with the people because connecting with nature is a big part of Norwegian culture. And that's that is part of being a part of this culture as a visitor. You know, that's interesting because I think about the first Norwegians I think I met like the first time I was in Europe and I was in Southern Spain and it was like towards the latter part of October. And I remember they were probably, you know, retirement age, maybe in their like mid to late sixties and they were fit and they were healthy and they were Mm -hmm. talking about the outdoors and soaking up the sunshine. And I just always have had that sort of vision of, of the, the strong, healthy, you know, in touch with nature, Norwegians, that's always been sort of my vision. Um, And I think it's great that, that it's a country that, have such a focus on on that and that time in nature and that connecting with nature. Do you think also as a result, and I don't know enough about it, but are I would imagine that there's a good amount of like things being very eco-friendly and sustainability being such a part of your culture as well, your new culture. Yeah, it's um it's great to see you know, Norway's privileged in the sense that in, I believe it was the late 60s, they, they they were pretty, actually a pretty poor country up until the late 60s, early 70s, when they found all this oil, the black gold, and then they got really rich <laughs> really quick. But in typical Norwegian fashion, they found a way to invest the oil money in a way that benefits all of society. So they were really smart about it. You know, they created this oil fund, which has investments, you know, in places all over the world. And um, so, you know, the whole healthcare system and a lot of the, the, the benefits that Norwegians have come to appreciate, or I guess come to expect maybe, um, but I definitely appreciate as an outsider, and I, I believe they do too, is the social safety net, right? Um, it's funny because countries outside of uh, certain countries, I won't name any names, but I'm looking at you, my home country. Um, <laughs> there'll be a lot of debates about, you know, well, we don't, you know, we want our freedom. Don't take away our freedom and our, you know, universal health care being against that and all, you know, everybody's of course entitled to their own opinion. But if with that argument specifically, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous because having a social safety net actually gives you more freedom. You don't have to be an indentured servant by working for, you know, UPS part-time just to have health insurance. You right. know, you, you don't have to, you don't, I remember like slicing up my toe pretty bad once. And the first question you ask is like a lot of people, a lot of Americans is like, well, all right, should I go to the doctor for this? Like, how much is this going to cost? Is there any way to fix it? You know, that's, that's for the richest society in the world. I'm, I'm again talking about the States. It's like, should that really be the first question that citizens are asking? Like, am I going to be able to afford this? I know this isn't a political podcast, Lynn. I'm sorry. I'll get off my soapbox now, but that's okay. You know, this, this social safety net, I think creates a, um, a, a sense of freedom. And I would say perhaps it creates an environment where, it's like sort of a combination, right? Like it, the, being in nature and being outside and and being connected in that way 
is a part of Norwegian life. But also, I think having that social... Sa- I don't think you can just separate out the social safety net and, and sort of like how the society is built because there's a, letter, a level of comfort there where you know it's like encouraged to enjoy your life. Right. And when you come to visit Norway, you will get that sense that people will be enjoying their life. It doesn't mean that there's not daily stress and people aren't rushing off to work and there isn't sort of the 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 regular pitfalls of of modern day western society right like you know the rat race and all, and all right. the things that maybe aren't good but they really do seem to prioritize a healthy work life balance that's that's real i mean my i see it because i know my wife has worked a traditional job since she's been here i see how you know how it is with other people when it's four o'clock or you know before people have to go pick up their kids you know, if that, that's prioritized. People understand that nobody's breathing down their neck because they got to go pick up their kids at three thirty or four o'clock because they prioritize the things in life that matter over right. over the work. And that changes maybe how things get done and the work ethic and things like that. But it also, I think, makes overall for a healthier society. I don't know how I got on this tangent, Lynn. It's very dangerous <laughs> it's to very bring scary. a podcaster onto your show. I, I know. Because we just no, talk I, and talk and talk. <laughs> no, it's all good. You know what? And and I agree. I mean, I agree with everything that you say. I mean, you know that you and I kind of, you know, are uh, align in, in a lot of um, our kind of values and what we believe in. So, um, so I agree with you 100%. And I do think it also kind of gives that kind of broad like overview of what what Norway and what the culture is like. So what a visitor can kind of expect when they come there. So let's dive in though to a couple of places. Let's start with let's start with Oslo because more than likely, of course, that's where somebody's going to enter the country um, since it is the capital and the largest city. So Let's talk about maybe some of the mm-hmm. things that are, t- I mean, is Oslo like a big bustling city, first of all? Okay. Well, first of all, I, I realize I just remembered your question after that long rant about being eco-friendly. <laughs> so I'm going to circle back to try to tie that up and start here. Oh yeah, I guess you didn't answer that, um, did because, you? Because <laughs> you know, all that was leading, no, all of that was leading to the fact that I am proud that Norway has made a lot of smart decisions. And even though they have all this wealth from the oil and everything like that, that they're using it wisely and that they seem to be, generally speaking, making smart decisions for the society here and also trying to be a global leader in um, sustainability and hit you know all the climate change, uh, climate crisis, we should say, goals and things like that. And Oslo was actually the European green capital in 2019, which is a pretty prestigious award, which gets delivered based on, you know, um, reaching climate and environmental goals. And so this is really at the forefront of all of the decisions people are making here, the way people live their lives. And, And again, that rant going back to the nature and everything, it goes back to that, the respect for nature obviously creates the desire to be more sustainable. And a lot of the projects and systemic things that are created in Oslo and and around Norway really go through that lens of, is is this good for nature? Is this good for the climate? This is how a lot of decisions are made. And in that way, sometimes it takes a long time for things to get done. But I think they're doing a great job making the right decisions. So again, Oslo being the European green capital of 2019, has um, made a lot of decisions uh, that have been smart. And you'll see uh, when you come, there are more and more pedestrian-only areas. They're starting to get rid of a lot of the parking spots downtown because they're trying to make the whole downtown car-free by Hmm. 2030, I believe. Wow. And really working towards that. There is, of course, a list of sort of must-sees that are touristy places, but I can can share a couple of those. Um, And really some general tips on on what to do but i think that uh, oslo is a wonderful place to visit every friend that has come through here that i've met up with seems to be like the expectation for whatever reason seems to be low but the actual takeaways seems to be very high like people really are excited about the city and they they seem to really enjoy it and we have we're right on a the oslo fjord which isn't the fjord 
type of thing that you're thinking about with the big cliffs that stuff's right. on the west coast more um but you know you're right next to the water and beautiful buildings and they're doing a great job continuing to design the city in an in a eco-friendly way and yeah you'll pick up on all that so plenty plenty to do around here and i think one of the big perks no it's not a bustling city but you have a lot of nature nearby and so you have the ability to do city things but if you do want to get out and do a little hike or explore some of the islands, which we can talk about right off the in the Oslo Fjord, there are a lot of options and it, it doesn't feel crowded. You know, it's the capital mm. city, but it, it's Norway only has five and a half million people. And I think wow. Oslo's around. Uh, I should have checked before recording. I think it was around 650,000 or something like that. For the Wow, population. it doesn't even have a million so, people. Um, wow, that's... It feels like... a No, it feels like a city, but it doesn't feel like an overwhelming city. It's really nice. So what are some of the... So name maybe a couple of like the, the more touristy places that maybe, you know, would still be like, yeah, it's touristy, but maybe it's touristy for a reason and people should go there. And then maybe what are some of the places that maybe are a little less visited that maybe more the locals go that you would recommend? Sure. And I think I'm always a proponent of you can find local life even in the most touristy places. Oh, sure. Right. I, I, I think that that rings true everywhere I, I've gone. I mean, sometimes it's just about walking like one block off the main strip or whatever to like to find the local scene, let's say. And even the most touristy seeming spot like Carl Johans is the big strip that runs from the main train, train station up to the King's Castle. And it's got shops and all kinds of things. But, you know, Norwegians are there shopping, too. It's not just tourists. Uh, it's not just cruise boat people. A lot of cruise boat traffic coming in through <laughs> in Oslo as well. Um, yeah, so some of the the must-dos, I would say, Vigeland Park is a sculpture park. And, you know, it's one of those places that I'd say most people go. It's in. Uh, it's also called Frogner Park. We call it Vigeland because uh, Gustav Vigeland is the artist that created more than 200 sculptures um, that reside in this park. And it's just so inspiring to me. I, I think that when you see an artist who has dedicated, you know, 20 plus years of his life or something like that to um, one project, right? <laughs> and seeing uh, all these sculptures, which is various, um, I guess, takes on humanity, let's say. it's It really is fascinating. And it all leads up to this big monolith, which is carved out of a single rock. And it's all these twisted bodies, kind of going up into this spire. It's so cool. And it's definitely something to see. It's free. And on a nice day, you will see Norwegians there having picnics and stuff like that too. So you can walk around and you could spend a whole day there just looking at statues. You could bring a picnic. You can meet some locals who will probably take you to a pre-party or something if you if you, do the, <laughs> if you say and do the right things norwegians definitely <laughs> loosen up with the booze so um, once you see you know, know a couple some norwegians ha have a couple then th they won't be afraid to talk to you yeah <laughs> so that is uh definitely something i would recommend that's a popular thing to do but also worth a visit of course akabriga is the is the main sort of uh, pier, I'd say, a shopping pier that runs along the Oslo Fjord. It culminates into uh, the uh, the Modern Art Museum, which is really a sight to behold, the architecture there with the sloping roof um, oh, going into yeah. the sea. And then you can see the, yeah, you can, there's plenty of food options. I mean, you have the options like <laughs> TGI Fridays and that sort of stuff that you want to stay away from, most likely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are more of the expensive places because if you, want, if you want to be in the tourist place and you want to have a water view, I wouldn't recommend eating there necessarily. There are some okay places with pizza and um, burgers and things like that, but there are better places to go eat. But I understand also if you want to just grab a pizza at Olivia, which is a, a chain, they make good pizza and you can sit right there by the water and things like that. And, hmm. and that's um, a nice thing to do. And if it's warm, there are opportunities for swimming and opportunities for saunas along the way which is something we will talk about if you want to talk into like sort of the, the must do's that aren't necessarily the things that every tourist will do. I will throw in a couple other sort of 
recommendations, if that's okay, of things yeah, that absolutely. you're going to want to check out. Out on Big Doy is is the um, is this sort of peninsula, and that's where a lot of the a few of the bigger museums, I should say, are. There's the Viking Museum where you can mm. see an old Viking ship and, and all kinds of artifacts from the Viking Age, which is really cool. There is the Contiki Museum, which I find super inspiring. I'm not sure if you ever heard of the story of the Contiki. I won't spoil it for you. If you haven't, you could look it I up. Have I have not. I found that museum very inspiring. <laughs> um, it was, long story short, it was a Norwegian guy that built a raft in South America and sailed it with a group of people to uh, to um, I forget which island, but some faraway island to prove that it could be done, basically, to kind of prove a <laughs> historical theory. I, I, that's all I'll say. Um, okay. It's madness. It's a it's a cool story, and there's a famous classic book called Contiki that you can that you can read about the journey. Okay. There is the Folk Museum, which is definitely a wonderful museum to do on a nice day because it's an outdoor museum. And this is a great way to tour all of Norway because you get to see buildings from all over parts of Norway that they've either moved or recreated in the folk museum. So you're kind of quote unquote visiting different parts of Norway and seeing historical buildings and uh, how things were run back in the day and like Stav church and things like that. So yeah, that's definitely worth checking out. And I would also say if you are a fan of art Everybody knows the famous, the, the most famous Norwegian artist, I would say, is Edward Edward Munch. The Munch Museum is a new building that they've built. And this is a general tip. I think they have free museum days on Wednesdays. And any city you go to, you can usually find free museum days. So that's mm. definitely worth looking up if you're thinking about going to museums you want to see, or right, what are the free days? How do I get tickets for that? But, you know, the, the painting, the scream where the sort of non-gender specific person's got their hand up to their face, home alone style, I think, sort of. And it's like screaming. Do you know what? Yeah. It's kind of an iconic painting. And that's Edward Monk. So you can, he has a whole museum that's a, a new building. And yes, well, I will stop there. And then we can, I can share a few off the beaten track places we have we have a lot to cover now we're only in oslo right now (laughs) (laughs) well that's all right we're just gonna hit hit some highlights here um yeah so um what about like you know like places maybe like that that you might recommend for people to stay like you know would they want to stay kind of i mean obviously i'm kind of in looking at the map even you know it's not necessarily oslo is not that big I'm guessing, well, maybe it's a little bit spread out, but would people want to stay like right kind of in the heart of downtown? It depends on your budget and and how you want to structure your trip. Of course, you know, most of the hotels are downtown. If you want to do an Airbnb or something like that, it's it's totally doable to stay somewhere a bit outside of town, as long as you're near some public transportation. And that's the point I want to make here. The public transportation here is pretty outstanding. Taxis can be expensive. So you don't want to run into a situation where expect, you know, some countries you go to Lynn and and you just kind of plan on taking taxis or Ubers or whatever everywhere because it's just so cheap. And that's how a lot of people get around. You don't really want to plan your trip to Norway that way, unless you want to spend a lot of money on, on driving. But the public transportation is affordable and awesome. So you have flexibility in where you, in terms of where you can stay and where you want to stay. If you want to have an Airbnb or something like that, you can, you have flexibility. Right. And if you're staying in a neighborhood like Grunelaka, let's say you are somebody who wants to be around more of like the nightlife and that's where I would say if you want to go out, if you want to find a lot of places to eat and sort of vintage shops and things like that, that's the, let's say, it, the hipster neighborhood in a way. Mm-hmm. Maybe that term's a bit outdated now, but Grunelaka uh, <laughs> is, a, is a place to stay if mm-hmm. you want to get an apartment. But if you get an apartment somewhere in the city, it's just cool to have that experience, I think. And if you're going hotel you know, you can find those around as well. I think the, the most more affordable ones are in the, the Thon chain, T H O N 
Those are okay. some uh, pretty decent places to stay. And I must say, the Scandinavian hotel breakfasts are the best in the world. The spreads at some really? of these hotels. Scandic's another one I've stayed at. Uh, oh, gosh. It's out of control. I mean, the amount of different breads and cheeses and all every kind of egg it's 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 a giant spread it's nothing like no offense the holiday Inn express or something you know where you throw out a couple like a loaf of white bread <laughs> and an old um you know waffle machine that's been over i mean it, you know this is like next level stuff so it's so it's even worth experiencing so the um the breakfast yeah, I was gonna say even more so like I always think about like the, you know, being here in the UK, it's like, you know, the UK, Scottish, you know, English, even Irish breakfast, they tend to do it up pretty good. But it's you'd say it's even more than that, huh? Yes. Yeah, okay. it's it's off the hook, as we said All back right. in the day. <laughs> <laughs> You're dating yourself, yes. Jason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, um, so are there some of your favorite places to go like locally in Oslo? Like, do you have like a favorite cafe or, um, a favorite restaurant or are you still drinking a lot of coffee? Are you still into your coffee? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm like I was just wondering five if five cups in at this point. And <laughs> you can probably tell with the way I'm running my mouth. <laughs> so um so yeah so like are there places that you would recommend like your favorite coffee shop you know that that might be um that you might kind of just put out there and recommend Not really. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Come on, this is a travel <laughs> podcast. Were, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say I, I just want to try to provide value here with a couple um, general tips to tie in with this. First of all, I'll tell, I'll tell a quick story and this goes for all of Norway in some ways because wild camping here is legal and it's encouraged to just be hanging out in nature. Right. So I remember some, uh, what was it? Maybe a year, year or so ago, maybe a year and a half. I was, um, meeting my buddy. We, we, we were traveling, uh, we were just exploring the city. I forget what we were doing. Anyway, we had uh, some some of the local bikes. So there's a great bike share system here. And that's a very afford- affordable way to get around the downtown and it's very manageable. So I would say don't neglect exp- exploration by bike. In fact, one of my favorite days I've had in Oslo, I, I decided to be a tourist in my own town one day. And I just went downtown. I got on a share bike and uh, from downtown and rode it out to Big Doy, that peninsula I was referring to. There's a beach out there. Went to the beach, had my towel, went swimming, relaxed, read my book, and hopped back on the bike and went back downtown. And I didn't spend hardly any money, whatever it costs to get the bike uh, at this point uh, for an hour. You have like you have it for around an hour before you need to dock it and get a new one. So. That's a general tip. Be on the lookout for for that. And so my buddy and I were on these bikes and we decided to go for a beer and we went to one of the places and he pointed out we were on the water and and alcohol is expensive here. So if you want to save money, don't drink alcohol in Norway. (laughs) And we had spent, I don't know, 20 bucks on a couple beers or whatever. And he was like, you know, oh yeah, we can, we can get beer from the store and just sit next to the fjord and have the same view for a lot cheaper. And yeah, I don't think it's totally legal to drink in public, but they're probably not going to throw you in jail unless you're really misbehaving. If you're just kind of being a normal person, they, they generally won't bother you. But that point goes across anything, whether it's beer, coffee, food, whatever, you can find a place where you can sit and enjoy the nature without having to sit in the establishment, right? You could go to 7-Eleven and get a coffee and then take it to the fjord and have your fjord view for a, for a lot less money, if that makes sense. So that was just something I wanted to throw out there. And going back to the public transportation quickly, what's really cool, Lynn, is that the ferries are included in Oslo in the public transport. And this is something to think about when you're going to other cities too. What else is included besides the bus? You never know if your bus ticket or your train ticket also works in other forms of transportation. So if you want to get out to the islands that you see, or you just want to take 
a a cruise on you're like i i want to do a cruise on the oslo fjord that sounds relaxing that sounds like a fun way to spend a couple hours you could sign up for one of these chartered cruises where they charge you a hundred bucks say for a ticket or you could just take the same ticket that you rode the train in on for four bucks and then get on the ferry and ride the ferry around for 45 minutes <laughs> you know ride it out to one of the further <laughs> islands and then ride it back to, to town and you're going to have a nice cruise. You can walk around the boat. You can get something to drink. You can stand outside and look at the water and be on a boat for, you know, a fraction of the cost. So these are some of the things to think about, right? Like the experience you, you want to have in that case, being out on the water, you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money to have that experience. And that was the point I wanted to make there. Yeah. That's good to know. That's a great tip. Coffee shops. Uh, coffee shops. Yes, coffee shops. <laughs> started yeah, with coffee let, shops. Yeah, My yeah. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, say it really quickly. So, I mean, there are a lot of coffee shops here. If you're a coffee nerd, you have to go to Tim Wendelbo's, which is just up the hill from Mott Holland, which is this giant. Have you ever been to like Chelsea Market in New York? No, no. I have not. It's kind of like an indoor food stalls, different types of foods from, you know, you can get fish soup, which is great. You can get Vietnamese food. You can get, you know, it's all kinds of food stalls in this big uh, uh, open sort of warehousey type building that used to be a tram repair shop. And so up the hill from that is Tim Wendelbo's, which is, uh, he has been the world champion barista for a couple years. I actually met him. I had him on the show. This guy is really cool. He, he actually spends part of his year in Colombia. He bought a farm to farm coffee and he actually works on his farm and like pulls the coffee and does the whole thing. I mean, he's, he's coffee nerd to the nth degree. So if you want to have what is considered by coffee nerds, some of the best coffee out there, you can go to Tim Wendelbo's uh, to do that. Of course, the chains like ca- Cafe Brenneria and, and some of the chains you'll see around, I would say that would be the one I rec- would recommend in Nordly um, in terms of quality coffee. But that can vary depending on the barista. I think that Norwegians take their coffee pretty seriously. If you look at, if you Google the top five biggest coffee countries in the world per capita, nor- it's like four of them are Scandinavian. They drink a lot of coffee here, so I'm in the right place. <laughs> do you? Hey, do you think that? And you that's are too, because, if you like coffee. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think that <laughs> that there's a lot of coffee drinkers because of like I'm thinking like at this time of year when <laughs> when you don't have a lot of daylight and you just kind of feel like you need something to perk you up or the because it's colder, you know? Just curious. I think so. It's just part of the culture and yeah. also, yeah, I, I think though, of course, how can you, how can you not say the weather isn't a factor, right? Here we go. I'm looking at this. This is from worldpopulationreview.com, country rank- rankings, coffee consumption by country, 2023 per capita, which is uh, top 10 countries that drink the most coffee per person kilograms or pounds per year. Number one, Finland. Number two, Norway. Hmm. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. So let's kind of, is there anything else in Oslo that you want to mention before maybe we venture a little bit outside of Oslo? A couple quick things. The the new library is outstanding. It's called Dykeman and it's right uh, outside of the main train station. And when you wander over to it, you're also going to see the opera house. So Walk to the roof of the opera house and get that view. Uh, mm. Go check out the new library because if you just want, if you get a rainy day and you want to have a free fjord view and some reading and just relaxing without anybody kicking you out or feeling like you're staying too long in a place, not that they kick you out of places, but you know what I mean. Go to the public library. It's, a, it's really beautiful. And lastly, the thing I always tell people to do when they come through town is go to one of the saunas on the fjord. I recommend mm-hmm. Oslo Badstuferending, which is the nonprofit sauna 
organization and they have this area called Sukhabitan, which is this little pier with a bunch of funky, cool, gorgeous saunas in, in sort of a U shape. And depending on how many are rented out fully, cause you can, a group can rent out a full sauna. If you do a drop in, I think it's last time I did, it, it was like 20 bucks or something. Hmm. And you get a couple hours there. You have to book in advance, but you you go in. Don't expect uh, like a private area to get changed. There is communal locker rooms that are very tight, and in European fashion, there's no nowhere to nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. <laughs> so, if you're uncomfortable getting naked in front of strangers, you better put your bathing suit on beforehand, or figure out how to how to uh, finagle your towel. So, so you don't, and, um, yeah, so you can do the, the sauna and it's, it's really awesome, Lynn. I mean, it's, it's, they're well-designed. It's so hot in there and good. And then you come out and you jump into the Oslo Fjord and you do your cold plunge and you can just go in and out like that for a couple hours. You can jump off the roof of some of them, which is fun. And then once you're finished up there, you can change and then you can walk over to Paradise, which is my favorite gelato place. Uh, which is not too far from there in um, I'm forgetting the name of the neighborhood right now, but you can, I, I, I can circle back with the name of that and then you can get a gelato afterwards. So the gelato sounds good after being hot, but I don't know about that cold plunge. That sounds, I can't even imagine how cold that water is. <laughs> it's so refreshing. <laughs> says you better you than me man i'm not getting in that cold water <clears throat> anyway <laughs> so let's will, venture a little bit out. different after you're sitting in a 150 degree sauna well that's probably true so <laughs> okay so venturing a little bit outside of oslo let you know i'm just going to kind of open up the floor to you to maybe talk about some of the places that you've been that that are some of your favorite places to go that you think you know would be great for travelers to go to sure again it depends on the traveler if you're traveling with kids then maybe you want to go to the south of norway south of oslo and you can take them to uh christiansson to the dyraparken which is a really cool hybrid theme park slash zoo and that's a fun place to go with kids you really can't go wrong i think there's a water park down there and everything like that or if you just like theme parks you can go down and check it out in the south of norway it has its own vibe if you're going to want to see the big fjords with the cliffs and the waterfalls streaming off and lord of the rings style that sort of vibe you're going to want to go out to the west coast and the best way to do that i think is to take the train from oslo to bergen don't fly because well you can fly of course but this is one of the most iconic train rides called the the bergen railway and it's it's known to be one of the most beautiful train rides in europe if not the world so you're getting spectacular scenery pretty much the whole way you can hop on and off if you want to do different things along the way. You can do your research on that depending on your interest, but that is uh, wonderful. I've done the train ride and it's a wonderful experience and so nice to just sit on a train and look at spectacular scenery. Then when you get to uh, Bergen, you have a UNESCO World Heritage City with uh, these beautiful collared homes, these gorgeous yellow and red You've probably, if you look up a picture of Bergen, you, you maybe have seen this picture before. It's fa famous for the uh, the Bergen, which is the wharf, and it was a really central and important spot for trade between Eastern and Western Europe back in like 1400s type of thing. And so they've preserved these buildings, and when you go down to the wharf, you're just in this very idyllic, romantic kind of scene, I would say, if you're thinking about Norway and old fishing village and trade and, and you want to be a part of history, you can sit there and have lunch on the wharf and just soak it all up. It's, it's really great. And Bergen is, and the West Coast in general, pretty notorious for their weather. <laughs> Let's say that you don't always get the best weather. 
But that's not a bad thing because Norwegians out there are used to that and you can get cozy in cafes. You can find other things to do. And there's a, a famous Norwegian saying, du finnes ikke dårlig var, but a dårlig klar, which just means there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. And that's a, a, a philosophy that everybody embraces. So bring the right clothing and don't be afraid to get out in the rainy weather. So Bargain, that train ride, that's a great place to base for fjord exploration. And then you can book fjord cruises and things like that. Uh, the other towns that I've been to that you can also base out of, uh, Stavanger, they have a beautiful old town there with all these old wooden houses. You can do hiking and, and fjord exploration there. And also Olesund, which is uh, a bit more coastal vibe, let's say. Uh, but not too far some, from some sites. So I would say there are plenty of iconic hikes. You might have seen them on Instagram or whatever somewhere. I've done some of them. I've done Prikastulen, which is at the Lisefjord. In, um, have, I don't know if you've seen the new Mission Impossible movie or the trailers where Tom Cruise rides a motorcycle off this cliff and then base jumps. It's in Norway and it's off Prikastulen. You can hike to that spot. Be warned, any of these iconic hikes, uh, the easier they are, the more people there are. And they're just, in general, pretty crowded. Like another one I've done is Sharag Bolton. There's a a rock that's stuck between two cliffs and you can stand on the rock and you're over like thousands of feet uh, above the fjord. It's terrifying. I was not able to go stand on the rock. I couldn't bring myself to do it. But uh, you have all these iconic hikes and if you go to them... It's awesome, but you're definitely not going to be alone. So Norway is packed with nature. If you start renting a car, if you get out to the West Coast, say you take a train, you rent a car and you want to explore on your own, which I would encourage you to do, hmm. you can start to see how much beauty there is and how it's almost like you're just driving through a national park all the time. And there are so many hikes and things to do that you can get fjord views and other things like I have. And, and see nobody or see only a few hike other hikers. You don't have to go to these iconic hikes. I understand if you want to do them because you see the pictures of them and, and it's something you want to do. But if you ask around, you're going to find plenty of hiking opportunities that don't involve hordes of people. And with Pekastol, I'm talking about literally a line of people going yeah. up. We had fun and it was cool, but it was totally packed. And I'm glad I've gotten to experience other hikes in Norway without that experience, you know? So if you're only coming for a week or two, try to do at least one hike where, you know, it's not one of these hikes that everybody knows about. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking about and I've heard stories about that, about lines for, for these hikes. And I know that if you get, like you said, all you have to do is get away from some of those popular places and you're not going to see as many people and, Maybe you only even see maybe one or two people. So, and uh, and I'm sure to like talk to the locals mm. and say, hey, where 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 can I go? That's that's maybe a similar hike, uh, you know, similar length and maybe in difficulty and things like that, but is going to have a fraction of the people. So uh, that's where it's always good to get some good local knowledge and get yeah. some local intel. Oh yeah, there are so many so many places. Yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, there's so much there and I know that you haven't been like f further North, you know, and those are some of the, the kind of the iconic places like, uh, what is it? Uh, Tr Tromso? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. I, I haven't been up North actually. Um, but I know of the places, yeah. Tromso there's, um, Svalbard is a, yeah, Tromso is kind of regarded as one of the best in the world to see the Northern Lights, or you can see the, you know, midnight sun if you're there in the summer. Right. Uh, literally, in the winter, it's dark for two months. You never, or I should say more than two months. I mean, it, it's dark most of the winter. The sun never comes up. And in the summer, it's the reverse. Uh, Svalbard is an interesting place, just 1,300 kilometers from the North Pole. And... I have not been there, but it sounds pretty eclectic. The world's, this is according to their um, tourism site, but the it's the world's northernmost urban community is Longyear Bien, 
I think you can actually fly into there. Hmm. And the residents there are from like 50 other countries. So it just sounds like a really interesting place to visit. My wife's been there and she's really enjoyed it. And Lufthansen is uh, some place that you've maybe seen before when mm-hmm. you've seen pictures of Norway where there are mountains, dramatic, beautiful mountains rising right out of the sea. So you got mm-hmm. the mountains right into the sea. It's probably somewhere in Lufthansen, which is a set of islands up in the north that I'm dying to get to and we'll get to um, one day. But definitely a place that I think is worth visiting and a lot of people have had wonderful experiences with. And I've actually interviewed somebody who rode a bike around there, which is another way to, to do it, right? If you want to get off the beaten track and have a different experience, you can bike around. I know you can rent camper vans up there. And with the wild camping, if you are wanting a little more comfort, that might be something to look into as well. If you rent a, 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 a vehicle you can sleep in, they're smaller than they are in the States, uh, generally speaking, <laughs> RVs and things like that. But um, since you can pull over and you have the right to camp as long as you're, I think it's like 100 yards from a house or something like that. I forget what the exact rule is. Something worth looking up. But I've seen it, you know, even around these iconic hiking areas where people will camp just, you know, on the road in or out, say 15, 20 minutes from the hike, you just find a place to pull off buy some water or out in the woods or whatever, and just set up your camp and then you can do your hike the next day. There are all sorts of ways to do it where you don't have to spend a hundred, two hundred dollars to stay in a hotel. So definitely might be something worth looking into. Yeah, that whole uh, camper van thing and RV thing, it, it's been like, you know, I've been traveling around Scotland and the UK and there, it's really big here. And I just think ever since COVID, <laughs> like everybody's traveling that way too. Like everybody started traveling that way to uh, to be able to go out and do things and be in nature and not be in, you know, uh, a, a germ-filled hotel room. And now it's just like, it's kind of become the thing, you know, to really, I mean, not that it wasn't a thing before, but it's like really a thing now um, to uh, travel that way. And it is mm. a good way to to um, to save some money and still have have a little bit of comfort. And I think it's great that Norway allows you to to do that wild camping and to be able to not uh, you know, that you can really go just about anywhere with some stipulations and rules around it, of course. Yeah. One thing I was just going to add to that is there, are, of course, are paid campgrounds if you want to have that. And what's cool is when I first came to Norway, I thought a great way to get to know a country is to do a road trip. And my wife and I did a 10-day road trip and we just found places to stay along the way. And what we did is sometimes we went to campgrounds and found uh, one that where they had cabins available and they rent these cute little cabins and you can do that. And also there are a lot of local farmers who have cabins called Hitta in uh, in Norwegian H Y T T E. They have cabins on their property that they've built and they just rent themselves and so we look for signs for uh, Hitta and we would end up sometimes on at a local farm where they had like, you know, two or three cabins. And we would rent one of them. And those were some of the best experiences because we were just at some small little local farm or local business where you can rent these cabins. And that's a really cool thing to do. You never know if you, if you road trip, you, you know, that whole idea of not knowing where you're going to stay, that adds a level of excitement. <laughs> but <laughs> when you find these places along the way, you just don't know where you're going to end up. And we ended up in some, in some jams. It's really cool. So if you want more structure and you want to have... You're not afraid of doing the camping thing, but you want a little more comfort. You can go and find campgrounds and rent cabins there. And you're not spending as much as you would in a hotel, but you're also not staying in a tent. So that uh, there's a huge cabin culture here. And so that's something to think about as well. That's exactly the question I was going to ask. <laughs> so you read my mind. Nice job. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Anything else that you think that you want to like mention about travel to Norway? Like any other tips? I mean, it sounds like you can get, can you get around via train to a lot of places? I mean, I I know you said like, you know, getting a car is probably not a bad idea to be able to kind of 
as I say, get into the nooks and crannies. But if somebody were to just maybe use public transportation, mm-hmm. do you feel like that they would still be able to get to a lot of places? Yes, definitely. There's a good system. I mean, Norwegian Air is where you want to probably look first for flights. And you'd be surprised it might not be as expensive as you think. You know, if you're going up north, a lot of people fly. It's a long way. If you take Norway, they say, and you put a pin in southern Norway, and then you swing it around, the top of Norway touches Rome. So it's really long. Mm. And if you're going up north, driving there is a is quite a journey. So a lot of people fly up north. But if you're going west from Oslo, I said take the train, and I would save my rental car budget for exploring the west coast because then you can start driving around checking out the fjords and things like that. But generally speaking, you're correct. You can take public transportation all over the place, and it's very efficient and very easy and I'd say fairly affordable. Definitely a great option. Okay. Good to know. Any other uh, places that you think that you've been that you would like to share with the listeners? Oh, gosh. So so many. You know, I don't know <laughs> if people listening to this are going to take all these recommendations. One place that we did really love that was a hidden gem for us on the road trip was a place called Fjarland. And we stayed at this place called Boyum Camping. And it was just lovely. And it's uh, right next to this glacier museum. And there was hiking. And we had one of the most spectacular hikes. One of these hikes where we only saw a couple other people. But there was a moment where we got to the top. And you could turn one way and look down a fjord. And then turn the other way and look at a glacier. And you could feel the cold air coming off the glacier. That was a pretty special moment. And a, a place that we really loved. And I think... Just don't be afraid to drive down the 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 pebble roads, <laughs> things like that, as long <laughs> as you have the right vehicle. Grocery stores are going to be your friend. If you want to save on costs, don't be afraid to get your food at the grocery stores and, you know, cook at your Airbnb or your cabin or whatever. Boxtuba is this German chain that makes really good sandwiches and they have pretty solid coffee and it's one of the more affordable places to just get a sandwich and a coffee a lot cheaper than some of the other places I mentioned. If you want to enjoy your coffee out by out in nature, you know, get outside and enjoy your your food out there and make a meal or make a sandwich and, and go outside and, and enjoy it. That's the Norwegian way. You bring a matpaka, it's called, which is a like a brown bag lunch, essentially. (laughs) And a lot of people um, do that. And of course, you can always get out into nature anywhere you are in Norway, even with public transportation. So remember that if you want to have a quintessential Norwegian experience in any city, you just say, hey, where can I get on, hop on the tram or the bus or whatever and go out to a lake to do some swimming or something? And chances are, you're going to find a place where there's going to be some Norwegians hanging out, enjoying the day, swimming in the lake, maybe doing some hiking. Songsvon is a good example for this outside of Norway, outside of, excuse me, Oslo, a very popular place to just do some swimming, do some skiing, do some hiking. You're not going to be in the middle of nowhere with nobody, but you're going to be with a bunch of Norwegians picnicking, hanging out, enjoying a little beach day that sort of thing. So plenty of opportunities for that. And I encourage you to make time for that, right? It's always fun to go see the main sites and to do all the things. But if you just want to have a laid back day and you want to do it Norwegian style, think about doing a day trip or, you know, where you hop on public transport and go to some beach or some lake, and then you'll be living the Norwegian life. (laughs) What about the food? That's kind of one thing, I mean, you know, we kind of like loosely have talked about it, but, you know, how would you kind of classify the the Norwegian food? Hearty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would say, I, 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 I say that because my wife, well, my wife comes from Inland and uh, there is, you know, we go up there and yeah, it's a lot of meat, you know, I have like shotkaker, which is these meat cakes and she'll make moose, like local moose. Um, 
Hmm. Things like that, you know, yeah, a lot of hearty dishes. You have different porridges and things like that, uh, of course. On the West Coast, you're looking at more, on any coast, really. I mean, seafood, of course, a big part of Norwegian culture. And salmon, you can't forget about the Norwegian salmon. It's just Mm -hmm. spectacular. So if you go into the grocery store, if you want to make sushi at home, you can buy salma in the grocery store, which is an incredible quality fish not cheap but maybe cheaper than going out for sushi and just cut it up and and buy wasabi and buy soy sauce and you can eat sushi right there i mean sushi quality fish so the norwegian salmon is famous i think for a reason because it's delicious actually i read that the norwegians brought what they were the ones that were responsible for making salmon a part of sushi in japan because it wasn't really a part of it wasn't a sushi staple before but then the regions got the brilliant idea to well if we can make this a part of uh of the japanese sushi culture then we can make a lot of money exporting our fish <laughs> right mm. and so what i read is that that's that's how that came to be a thing so that was kind of interesting and yeah so you're looking at seafood and some hearty meats and things like that and if you want to save money again the grocery store is your friend Oh, let's not forget about hot dogs. People love hot dogs here. Cheap meal is a pulsa, and that's just hot dogs, and you'll see them selling that in all the all the convenience stores. Oh my god, a hot dog! (laughs) Okay, well that's good. Get it in the lumpa though. The lumpa (laughs) is the, the yeah. The lumpa is the potato burrito it's like a potato burrito it looks like a tortilla type of thing but you get your they're going to ask you if you want it in bread or lumpa and uh that's bread or this potato wrap thing get it in the potato wrap you got to try the potato wrap do it norwegian style okay (laughs) so i think that's probably a good place for us to wind things up jason um unless there's anything else that you want to add about Norway. But if not, then I'm going to just turn it over to you and let you uh, tell people, tell everyone where they can find you. Well, come to visit. Let me know if you come through town. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And I would say, lastly, don't, uh, don't put it off just because of the perception of the expense and things like that. If it's a place, and this goes for any place in the world, I think if you have a place that you want to see and it's up there on the list, then make it happen. You know, don't, don't put it off forever. And if that Norway is one of those places, then come visit. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And thanks for having me on Lynn and getting to share some of my love for Norway as a citizen of this country. Now I am proud of the country and where I live. And if you want to learn more about how you can travel to Norway or anywhere else, or just add more travel into your life. Of course, my podcast zero to travel and we have a free newsletter as well. Zero to travel.com slash newsletter where you can sign up and get all the uh, episodes when they come out. And I actually have been meaning to kind of put together a list of my favorite episodes. So when people sign up, they get some of those recommendations. So work on that and um, would love to welcome you into the community there. And thanks Lynn. It's always a pleasure to get to connect with you and, I appreciate your friendship and thank you for um, having me on your show. Much appreciated. Yeah. I thank you for making the time to come on to the show. Like I said, you are the reason I started my podcast. So thank you for putting that bug in my ear and thank you for sharing your love of Norway with us. And you better watch out because I think you might get some people knocking on your door soon. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Thanks. So there you have it. My conversation (laughs) with Jason, he's pretty funny because yeah, he, you put the microphone in front of him and he will just kind of roll with it. So I just kind of let him go because he really gave us some great information on Norway. I really kind of feel like he gave us like what it's like, the vibe there, the culture, what it might be like to travel there and what to expect. So Thank you, Jason, for coming on to the show. Thank him again. And I hope that 
if you're not already listening to Zero to Travel, that you will go over and listen to his podcast. He really does have some amazing guests on the show and some interesting conversations, people that have done some really interesting things as well. So uh, go over there and subscribe. And like he said, you can go over to Zero to Travel slash newsletter to get on his newsletter as well. He puts out a really nice newsletter. Uh, Let's see, what else? So I just want to remind everybody that if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so and uh, drop me a review. I'd love to get another review. Uh, I don't, I checked them just the other day and there weren't any new ones. So I really love to read out a new review, but there aren't any new ones to read out. So I hope somebody will go over and drop in a nice review. And lastly, Wonder Your Way Adventures. The small group tour is happening. If you are interested in doing some hiking in the Dolomites of Northern Italy, keep those last two weeks of June open because it's going to be a great trip, a lot of hiking, uh, some good food and wine, and uh, there'll be a little bit of history kind of things. There's going to be a couple little little special places that will go as well. So I'm really looking forward to starting this new endeavor, this new sort of branch, if you will, of Wonder Your Way. So hopefully this will be the first of many. So I think that's going to wrap us up here for today. Thanks for tuning in and listening. And gosh, this comes out and I'm going to have one more episode of 2023. And gosh, 2024 is just around the corner. Where has the time gone? My dad would always say, the same place it goes every day. (laughs) So on that note, I'm just going to say, (laughs) happy travels. Slanjava. Slanjava.